Welcome to BIV Today, the business news podcast from Business in Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. Now the provincial NDP government unveiled its third budget Tuesday. And with us to dissect it all, it is Ken Peacock. He's chief economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. Ken, great to have you back on the show. Good to be here. Thanks, Tyler. Okay, so you guys over at the Business Council, you recently downgraded the province's economic forecast for 2020. We can get into that in just a little bit. But first, I'm wondering how you feel this new budget navigates some of the lowered expectations that your organization has moving forward into the rest of the year. So the um, yeah, well, I guess the, the the most immediate and obvious thing is revenue growth has slowed substantially compared to previous budgets. So that's a direct result of slower economic growth. Uh, we we would we believe the economy has already slowed down and is probably going to grow around two percent this year. It was running around three percent, maybe a little bit below. Uh, for much of the previous three or four years. And with that slowing, the government is finding itself in tighter fiscal circumstances, not seeing that strong revenue growth. The result is you're not seeing uh, a big bump in spending at the same time because they're committed to, or seem to be committed to at least, maintaining a balanced budget. And indeed, that's what we have. We have uh, over the fiscal, the three-year fiscal horizon, three years of balanced budgets with very thin surpluses. So we call them balanced budgets, but in reality, they're targeting um, surpluses of around $200 million. So moving forward, I mean, any concerns that you have with regards to making British Columbia as competitive as it can be, even though we are facing a slowing economy? Yeah, we were actually looking and hoping to see much, much more in this budget uh, and, and exactly on that subject. Uh, what can we do? What can be done? Looking for some items to make BC more competitive. We at the Business Council have been talking to this government and, and com- making some, some public commentary that we're concerned about the direction of competitiveness. It's becoming much more difficult to do things in this province. It's becoming more complicated and more costly. Uh, there's been significant changes, not just from this government, but over the past five or six years. Um, and we can talk about the carbon tax, perhaps. That, that's one of the sources of, of higher costs. But we just look around and we hear from our members uh, frequently that it's just getting more and more difficult uh, to do business. So was there anything in this budget to help address that, to help blunt these rising costs? No, there was almost nothing. So from our perspective, we were concerned. We think that the government needs to take uh, the, the economy a little more seriously and and start to uh, address some of these competitiveness challenges. And particularly, we can probably talk about this as well, when you look at what's going on in forestry. Forestry is in crisis. It's a big industry for the province, and uh, there is really very little in this budget that's going to help that sector. Yeah, I think, what was it, $13 million earmarked specifically for forestry? Is, is that going to make a, a dent on what is essentially one of our most important exports? No, and I mean, it's it's... It's nice to see something, uh, I will say that, but no, it's not going to make a dent. And from our perspective, we would be looking for broader policy measures that improve the competitiveness environment more generally for forestry, but for other businesses as well. So yes, 
displaced workers in the forest sector, those are good things and useful things, and money should be directed towards that. But really, if you want to talk about the overall health and the sustainability of the industry in the longer term, we're going to need to talk about uh, you know improving tax rates, streamlining uh, regulatory processes, uh, examining the stumpage system, uh, looking at uh, the reduction in fiber that the sector is facing, how that might be allocated in the future. There's many big questions that need to be addressed. If you also think about businesses, uh, I'm wondering about the impacts of, say, the employer payroll tax. Uh, You mentioned the carbon tax as well. What is this all kind of adding up to with regards to additional burdens on employers? Yeah, it's it's a great question. We we took a look at this actually about a year, year and a half ago, uh, just after the employer health tax was announced, which is a couple billion dollars now. So for many businesses, those who weren't paying MSP premiums before in particular, this is another additional and significant cost. So, but uh, in the, in the wake of that announcement, we went back and said, okay, what have been the incremental uh, additional tax increases since 2013? So a five or six, six and a half year period. And you know, it was five, five and a half billion dollars is a significant amount. Some of that was the reversion. A big part of that was the reversion to the PST, but carbon tax, employer health tax, um, property taxes are rising, all, all, a number of other taxes. So it added up to a significant amount of money and it's a challenge. It is a challenge for businesses. Well, obviously these taxes partially going towards, like, say, infrastructure spending. Are, are we getting much out of the infrastructure spending that was uh, allocated or earmarked here in this most recent budget? Uh, we, we are. So this is probably, uh, uh, this is one of the bright spots in the budget, the government capital spending. They, if you if it, step back and look over the past three or four years, the amount of capital going in towards infrastructure in the province, and that is everything from schools and hospitals through to roads and bridges, um, is nearly doubled. So it was running around $3.5 billion, say around 2013-14. We're up to $7 billion uh, in capital investment, uh, taxpayer-supported capital investment. We're strong supporters of the Business Council. Uh, Infrastructure, particularly transportation infrastructure, we see as important. Uh, So that's good news. And uh, Part of the reason that we push for additional investment is because we think there's a good return on that investment, but also it's a good time to borrow. Interest rates are low, and if you look at BC's debt burden, BC's debt burden is relatively low, so we definitely have the capacity to borrow more. And even with that additional ramp-up in capital spending, the taxpayer uh, debt burden in this province does remain comparatively low. All that said, though, uh, do we have the labor capacity to fulfill a lot of what's been earmarked here, though? Yeah, yeah. This is this this is the challenge. This is exactly the challenge, and we've been trying to gently say at the same time, and we don't, I, you know, I don't want to be sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but at the same time, it may be important uh, more so in the in the coming years to stage in some of these projects and phase them in and take a serious hard look at just exactly what the capacity and the construction industry is, because there's no doubt uh, the construction sector is running full out, labor markets are very tight, where we can get additional resources to take on new and substantial projects uh, is, is a question. It is something that uh, we we are turning our minds to and that policymakers are going to have to pay attention to. So so absolutely, there is an asterisk or a caveat around just what the capacity is 
actually build some of these projects might be. So uh, I, I know when I say this to listeners, if I'm talking about increases to uh, people in the 1%, those making uh, $220,000 or more, those income taxes are going up. I, I know maybe for some listeners, not going to get a lot of sympathy there, but uh, it is of interest to me because I am wondering about the capacity for us to be able to recruit top talent into Vancouver. We're seeing this a lot with, say, the tech industry, which is one of our highest performing sectors here in British Columbia. Is this going to keep some people away? I'm just wondering about how this has like a, an overreaching knock-on effect down the road when it comes to that ability to recruit top talent here and grow the economy. Yeah, I, re- I really like how you provided that that context for for that question, Tyler. Because sure, this is so you're you're referring to the increase in the top marginal tax rate here in the province. It went from 16.8 percent uh, to a new tax bracket that this budget just introduced to 20.5 percent. So that's just the provincial portion. Then there's the federal portion as well, which I believe is around 33 percent. So you add the two together. And the top marginal tax bracket in BC is now well above 50%. I think I calculated it last night, 53.5%. So the last time we saw tax rates like this, this high was back in the late 1990s. The Campbell government came into power and slashed provincial uh, personal income taxes quite significantly. So that's a high rate. And I actually agree with you entirely. Uh, the, The concern is about signals and heaping on and cumulative impacts. And absolutely the concern is, can we attract top talent? Um, And there are people in the tech sector and there are people who are starting up their own businesses. Uh, If they they, um, take them public, they can do well in a year or two. And these high tax rates are a deterrent. Now, I will say, if you look to Ontario, they have the same tax rate and it does kick in at the same threshold, $220,000. But our neighbor... Uh, just to the the west, uh, east of us, sorry, east of us, Alberta, they have lower tax rates and they have higher thresholds that the top marginal tax rate kicks in and they're hungry for for business and they've got a lot of vacancy rates in the downtown core in Calgary. So, you know, just... I don't think it's going to result in a huge number of people exiting and fleeing the province because of this tax rate. But at the margin, there will be people that look at that tax rate and go, "Ah, that's that's higher. I can do better in uh, other jurisdictions. So if you are trying to develop and expand a tech sector, I see this uh, this move as contrary to that, and it will dampen it. And the other thing, just one final point. And they talk about this in the budget. This government talks about in this budget a fair bit. Uh, the whole notion of scaling up and growing businesses and uh, growing the number of big businesses in the province because that increases productivity and helps improve the standard of living and provides more job opportunities for people. So, you know, again, implementing or imposing uh, a, a top marginal tax rate well above 50% is, to my mind, kind of counter to that objective of wanting to scale up companies. Because when you scale up companies, the senior people do get higher salaries and are compensated uh, at, at higher levels. So, One of the things, uh, why don't we kind of migrate over to, say, the outlook uh, for the economy, which you guys just released uh, just a few weeks ago. You guys are, of course, highlighting you know growth in the tech sector, as well as the film and TV sector, which... Uh, I think those numbers were a little staggering about They're how. Staggering. Yeah, uh, I think what was it like five year, uh, year over year average growth, something around like twenty seven percent or something. Yes, which, it was. Yep. Yeah. So tell me a little bit for about film and television. Let's say for for that one film and television. Yeah, yes, of course. And uh, so tell me a little bit about your expectations though going into twenty twenty. There's a lot of issues with the forestry sector, but there are things to highlight here. Sure. There's. 
Uh, there, there's challenges and bright spots. So if if we're going to talk about sort of what industries are, are driving the BC economy, at least what have in, in the recent past, and what might continue, which ones might continue to do so, film and television is right up at the top of the list. And as you noted, we looked back at its growth over the past decade or so, and it, it, I think over the decade it grew by 15 or 16%, but in the past three years, 27% year-over-year annual expansion in GDP. That's the output of the film intelligence. These are unheard of numbers, unprecedented. So that sector is really, really doing well. It's fully operating at capacity. Uh, employment growth has been really strong in that industry. But, of course, not all industries in the province are going to grow that quickly. But if you look at um, the ICT uh, information, communication, and technology segment here in BC growing very strongly, and in particular um, professional services related to computer services and whatnot, growing very rapidly as well. Top growth industry, the size of the industry here in BC, a little bit smaller than what you see in Ontario proportionally, but still very robust and very big and contributing to economic growth. Interestingly, if you look back over history, the resource industries show up as one of some of the leading growth industries contributing to growth here in the province. It's part of the reason we've done really well over the past three or four years. It's also part of the reason that we have downgraded our forecast and seeing more uh, more moderate growth outlook in the coming years is precisely because the lift that we were getting from forestry, including the spin-off benefits, are are not happening now. The sector's contracting. Uh, mining is also going through some challenging times, so we're not going to see that lift and boost. And hence, growth is now around 2%, we think, rather than 2728, maybe 3 like it has been more recently. So one of the things that's people don't like in business, markets don't like, is uncertainty. But we are getting some signs of some certainty in terms of global trade with that uh, preliminary deal set between the United States and China. Is that going to be enough to, I don't know, calm the nerves of some people in the markets or with regards to, I don't know, how things are going to go forward in the BC economy? Yeah, I think that does help provide some certainty and some some uh, path forward, I guess, in the international trade arena. I think, unfortunately, any uncertainty that that did provide is being completely unwound and undone by this by the coronavirus and the supply chain issues and shutdown of factories in China. Uh, it, it's I think that is now become the bigger concern. I just happened to be watching some TV reports last night, and it is quite alarming the amount of backup, the disruption to supply chains chains that we're seeing. I think this is really going to have a bigger impact than people are thinking when you start peeling back. Is it going to be a while until we actually figure out what the full you know, extent of this is going to be on the BC economy? I, I, it's, it's going to, yeah, it's going to take some time. Um, you know, as soon as this started happening, I, I went back and looked at uh, SARS and some of the economic data around SARS and, and what happened and as of now, I think people are describing the SARS outbreak as not as significant as our current outbreak that uh, health health experts are grappling with. And at the time, the SARS really hit tourism. It's very, very apparent. Uh, if, if people, if listeners remember, uh, the whole tourism industry was struggling with security challenges in the wake of the 9-11 incident. And then SARS hit. And the drop in the number of visitors coming to BC was actually greater than in the wake of 9-11. Mm. And it was very, very slow to recover. Like the numbers took a really long time, maybe even a decade before we saw them kind of return to previous SARS level. So it was 
obvious and apparent in the tourism industry, but you looked at the economy as a whole, and I mean, I didn't spend much time examining it, but we were in an era where growth was really strong. I think the economy was growing by more than 3%. In the SARS year, it fell well below 2%, maybe one5 and then it bounced back in the subsequent year. So, I mean, without looking in more detail uh, to say exactly what was going on, there is some sense that it did have a fairly significant impact on the economy here in BC. One, one of the other things uh, I think is giving anxiety towards the business community is the ongoing conflict with regards to uh, coastal gas link uh, pipeline. We, we see uh, protests breaking out throughout the country. We've seen blockades. Uh, it, it's a very complex matter. But, I mean, what does this mean moving forward for BC's economy as this even becomes more of a, an, a, na- a national situation affecting the entire country? Yeah, it is, it is surprising. It has, it has gone national. It is affecting the entire country. And, again, the blockade on the rail lines, I think, have been particularly disruptive. Uh, products and people not being able to, to move and get to where their destinations. Um, I agree with you. It's, it's complicated. It's complex. And again, the economic impact from these um, random, random blockades, not knowing where they're going to come, does start to become significant. You know, if you only have a couple, uh, less significant, but more disruptions, uh, more inability to get products uh, to markets, more inability for producers to ship their products out overseas, uh, that's disruptive and, and it, it does become costly. And I, I hope we find a solution or a resolution to the conflict in the, in the very near future just to avoid because that disruption on top of the coronavirus disruption does start to become problematic for, for the BC and Canadian economies. Well, unfortunately, I guess we'll leave it off on that dour note. That is a dour note. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Ken, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, very, very welcome. Thanks for having me. That's Ken Peacock, Chief Economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. And that is it for the show today. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Tell your friends and leave us a rating as it's going to help more people find the show. Thank you for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.